You're listening to the Watermark OC Church Sunday morning Q&A portion of our Sunday service. At Watermark, we have a mission statement that says we want to build a generational community that flourishes in God conversations and the authentic love of Jesus. So one Sunday, every teaching series at least, we hope to model how to have these God conversations. And uh, the Q&A that you're going to hear is by no means an effort to prove that we are the Bible answer people. And uh, it's not stump a pastor. Actually, the aim is simply to give you a humble model for how to do this in the areas where you live, work, and play, how to thoughtfully and empathetically engage in a dialogue with your friends, neighbors, family, and coworkers. So having said that, we sincerely hope you enjoy. And if you have questions, feel free to email us at watermarkoc.com slash questions. Thanks again for listening. And there's some questions coming in already, and so we're going to try to answer these. Maybe Jay may be more qualified in some than even I. If you want specifically Jay to speak up, please, in, as you type it out, write that. But first question says here, how can um, I honor my spouse when they think they're still single? Specifically, how can I honor them in their walk by being a rock of faith and safety instead of a convincing force? Wow. Um, that's really hard. I appreciate your honesty in that question. Um, a mentor friend of mine was trying to teach me the difference between fixing someone and, and making them change by either the words that come out of my mouth or my actions. And he, what he said is the antidote to that is intercessory prayer. That instead of me constantly saying, hey, you're doing it wrong, or, hey, you can do it better, or hey, do it differently, like he, he calls it standing in faith. Instead of doing and turning the person into a project, um, to stand in faith for them, believe for them, and pray for them constantly, without ceasing, petition God in heaven, his angels, his holy hosts in heaven, to, to do something in their life. And, and not only that, he, he goes on to explain, I asked him for like months, what are you talking about? You always say stand in faith, it's your favorite phrase, but what does it really mean? He said, Ben, pretty soon what's going to happen is that because of your prayer life with the Father, It's going to change the way you show up with that person in a radically different, maybe intangible way at first, but they're going to see how you're showing up and it's going to mean all the world to them. And so it may not seem that practical for you. Yeah, keep praying, but I'm telling you there's something there. There's power in that prayer. Jay, if you got anything, please weigh in. No, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. I think that it's, for me, it's the practice of discernment dependent on the Holy Spirit's guiding of when do I stand in in faith and pray, and when do I in love in a really intimate relationship that has trust and there's allowance to speak in to say, hey, this is something that's true that you need to consider. Awesome. Yeah, sometimes a word, a physical word might be needed and the Holy Spirit might lead you to that. Another great question says, and by the way, if you're in here in service, just raise your hand and Isaac will come over and find you. It says, would the approach to a Christian and a non-Christian single friend be the same in terms of encouraging them to either stay positive or be content or, or learn how to block out what the world is saying about being single. So I, I read that, if I get it right, like the approach to encouraging single friends, is it the same whether they're a believer or a non-believer? And um, I'd say, you know, um, yes, but to a point, you know? And this takes some kind of some deeper discipleship conversations. And well, by the way, we're always available to talk deeper on this. We'll set up coffee and talk deeper. But um, there's going to be a limit, right? For someone who is not in Christ, look at, this, look at the Bible. 
Look at what the Bible says about a believer. When you say yes to Jesus, you are in Christ and Christ is in us. We are territory of Jesus. We are the possession of Jesus. There's a whole bunch of things that play on here in the spiritual realm even about what's possible for a believer and a non-believer. You may have a non-believing friend who is quite frankly possessed. I know that sounds really extreme, strange and extreme and extravagant, but the fact of the matter is for those who are not in Christ, they are a territory that is open ground for the enemy. To, to, to do you know, mind games, mental, physical, emotional attack on that individual. So your counsel, your wisdom, your, your instruction to them is going to have a limit. Because at a certain point, you're just not dealing with apples to apples. Does that kind of make sense? So there is a generic level of intercession for both. There's encouraging words for both. You could probably quote scripture to both. But for the heart that's hardened to the gospel, it's going to land different. Even those seeds of truth may not be able to take deep root as it would believer to non-believer. Lots more we could say on that. Really profound, deep question, but that's what I'd say for now. Jay, have you ever ran into that at all? Well, I think that probably the starting point has got to be if you're in a position where they trust you enough to let them speak into what they're dealing with in singleness, then there's got to be, I didn't encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit for discernment in, am I, have I shared the gospel? Am I living out the gospel for this person? Because like, that's, the answer, whether or not singleness is hard or easy, is a symptom um, that isn't the root issue ever. Yeah, so I love that you added that, dude. I was just thinking that. That might be your compulsion to have that God conversation with them. You know, John 10.10, 10, you can have life and life to the full. A person who is not in Christ may not even know that full life. Right? They're drinking from a dry well. They don't have that life-giving spirit of the Holy Spirit, which is the gift to every believer. Question in the front. Uh, yes, um, you guys know me. I'm Alonzo. <laughs> hey, Alonzo. Nice to meet you, Alonzo. Okay, thank you. Um, I've been single for 60 years plus. Okay, and um, I think my comment is how I overcame this. It's by coming to all, all, all the churches that I, I belonged to or went to. I've been single in, in those churches. I sometimes got confused because there was, there was always programs for the married them to marry couples and for the children so they always kind of left the single people out so sure. can you guys share with me what will watermark do to bring the singles mostly together for they could come to terms with their self or what they're going through in this day i miss just the first two words of the question what can the church do yes what can the church do to come along singles better yes exactly yeah i mean i think it starts with this morning lonzo i i, I we need to listen the 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 Pastoral leadership, elders, the, the leadership of the church, the staff even, especially those who are leading from a, a, a bias of marriage, we need to listen, man, and we need to hear, hear you out. Like the, just to first answer the question, it's not just teaching today, but it was some six, nine months ago, um, you know, somehow Bucky and I got this conviction. Like when we're speaking to the church on a Sunday and we give an anecdote from our own life about, oh, my wife said this or my wife said that, it's like, can you speak to everyone in the room, please? And even if you're not single, can you talk to college students? Can you talk to singles? Can you talk to young people of every age and every season of life? And quite frankly, we weren't doing it. I mean, a lot of years, we would never acknowledge those people in the room. And again, we say, sorry, first of all, sorry. We're, we're learners too. We're in process too. And this, this church is a place we can be safe and to be in process. But beyond that, I think there's all kinds of practical answers, Lonzo. I, I don't have them, but I, I'm open to listening. But my next, next small comment is, uh, I think you, you made a point to this. Uh, I think I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I would take my yes. gifts, and I noticed from Watermark, the mm -hmm. married couples and the children, 
evolve myself into their lives. That's right. And that makes me whole. Beautiful. I love it. You answer it yourself. Yes. Like everyone's um, fully charged up with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they can serve in the local church in an equal manner, which is a great point. I think that for me, it's important to understand that it's important to have spaces with people that are like dealing with some of the same things or in similar life places. Um, so some sort of intentional single ministry is beautiful. And also the kingdom looks like the entire representation of God, which requires every person in every walk with every experience. And so I think we all can be intentional in stepping forward into community together with people that look and act and think very differently um, and that that space is really beautiful. And so what does it look like for us as singles to say, hey, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of married people with kids and I'm going to embrace that. Or from the other side saying, hey, I'm going to invite someone else in a different life stage and we're going to figure out how to make it work and we're going to be messy together and that's okay. You're so good, Jay. Like Paul is constantly talking about the body of Christ. There's an arm and a leg and a head and a neck and a chest. And, you know, like he says, for the body to be complete, and the body is, of course, a metaphor for the church, we need all the parts functioning in the whole. And so we, I know churches, I admire this. Maybe we can aspire to this even as a church. I know churches that force small groups into geographical regions only. You may only go into a small group or a Bible study that meets in a home based in your 5-mile, 10-mile, 15-mile square radius. What does it do? you're going to have a mixed generational group. You're going to have college students, maybe a high schooler. You're going to have a single. You're going to have a married. You're going to have an elderly, an empty nester, all enriching one another. And that's part of our vision statement is to build a generational community that flourishes. And so we got to be okay with those different stages, Jay. Really, really good. How do we engage with friends or acquaintances on the importance of abstinence in a society where sex is regarded as a normal, typical activity within dating? Perfect question. Very practical, universal question right now in the culture. Here's what I'd say. Step one, do the research. Step one, do the research. You want to go into a, a deep-seated conversation? It's a person who's loudest and talks the most seems to be right. <laughs> Not so. If you come in with an educated understanding of what, uh, you know, free sex, what the free sex movement does and is for people... Not just data-wise, cohabitating and, and, and sex before marriage, but just emotionally even, about fulfillment and lifestyle. Go and read the data on it. Not just faith-based. There's plenty of secular data and studies that have been done that show this life is not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. And it doesn't work to more successful or more happy marriages when we, when we sleep together before marriage or we cohabitate. There are full studies that have been done. So the first thing I say is do the research and then come with questions. Come armed with those questions. The worst thing you can do to start a conversation is, is, is tell mode and judgment mode and declare mode and slap them around with a bunch of cool stats and truth that you know. But you can use that data and research to make an, a, a kind of a provocative question that they're forced to answer. And what comes out of their mouth will be very telling for what ideas are best. When you're having a conversation, remember, it's an ideas battle. The Bible as the word of God enlivens our mind and our imaginations with the best ideas of all time. So when you come into a conversation, it's a battle of ideas, and, and you can be ready with, with thoughtful, gracious, peacemaking questions that will make a person really, really think. Did I have all the answers? And by the way, any person who's living that lifestyle, man, I've had 10 partners in 10 years. Ask them how they're doing on the inside. Ask them how their soul is. Ask them how their fulfillment is. 
And if they can be really disclosing, if they can be honest about that, you're going to find a, maybe, a, I'm not, I don't know for a fact, but you're going to find maybe a mixed bag answer there. And there's no more compulsion you'll need than the words out of their own mouth about, wow, maybe I might try something else. This is a question very relevant, I think, to what you're just saying, Jay. Um, it says, what if you're single and have prayed for that person to show up? What if you don't know if you're called to be single and don't know it, but if you are, how do you handle that when you want a spouse? And um, yeah, just thank you for that question. That's real. That's, that's real life, you know, in singleness. And I really want you, I want to defer to you, Jay, but I, I think there's nothing wrong with that desire. And how did that desire get there? You know, we're relational beings. So that's not a mistake. God placed that in your heart is, is a longing for relationship. And I think the first half of the answer is just what you said about community, Jay. Like, there's a great chapter in Pete Scazzaro's uh, leadership book. You can look it up, find a podcast on it. Any of his podcasts on, on singleness is really powerful. He basically makes 1.4 ways. And his one point is, you must be in community. You must have people building you up, encouraging you, holding you to. Uh, if you have a totally different depth of understanding for friendship um, and filling. And so I think that's half of it, but I affirm there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer and, and listening to the Holy Spirit grow you up in ways that you maybe do need to grow up. Not that that's holding you back, but um, sometimes we are a work in progress and maybe we are listening to the Holy Spirit about the areas that we need to be ready for that spouse too. I think all that's a part of it. What would you say, Jay, that great question? Well, I want to commend you because I think it's so brave and honest in the way God wants to interact with us by saying, God, this is what I want. Like, give me this thing um, that's good and beautiful um, and also I think that the desires of our heart as we, again, as we align our hearts with his and we intend to honor and serve and be obedient to him, uh, I think we can trust that our hearts are becoming like his. And so I think our passions and desires and wants are things that are things that he wants for us too. And that can be a, a help, one of a few helpful tools to discern what God's will is. Um, and Ultimately, just like Jesus said, like, take this cup from me. I don't want to die. It sucks. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sweating blood and your will, not mine. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like to surrender and say, God, I want this with all of my heart. Um, and also your will, not mine. And so like, even for me in the season of signal on this, it's been part of like, God, this isn't what I want. Also, I can trust like you're, you want to show me what it looks like to thrive in singleness, wow. and he will. And so it's not just, we don't have to survive seasons, although there is an element of survival <laughs> that is required, but also um, he wants us to thrive. Like Paul says, we can be content in all things, sitting mm. in chains, um, sitting in singleness, sitting in a really hard or wonderful marriage. Um, so surrender and learning to be content with him. That's a good word, man. I love that verse too. Um, by the way, you can, it, we're going to go to a time of prayer in a second. This is the last question I have online. So unless you're in person, you want to raise your hand for a final question um, or, or send one in. I'm going to read this one. Uh, it says, the church doesn't seem like all that safe of a refuge for single parents who might need more support than most, frankly. What can or should the church be doing to embrace those Christ followers? Thank you again for your candor. That's really real. Uh, the first thing I would say is that we need to speak to it more, and, and that's a great opportunity for real uh, repentance, not, you know, inauthentic repentance, but for the longest time, Bucky and myself, again, he's the founding pastor and a teaching pastor, for, for a lot of years, we, we always spoke from our bias of being married, and um, we just kind of, this last year, kind of woke up to it, like, we may be missing people in the room, so we're sorry if we spoke past you or missed you, if you've journeyed with us the last year plus, we want to speak to everyone in the room, and I think that's a starting place. And then I think that there has to be, um, you know, groups of every kind. Um, this whole receive, join, serve thing is not a gimmick. It's, it's actually what helps people flourish. 
And, and I've been so built up to see small groups launched this last year, highly specific small groups, you know, small groups around chronic pain and, and illness, small groups around infertility. I mean, what a specific topic. So I'd love to see people step up out of their brokenness, out of their pain, out of their discomfort, and create a safe space for people to go deeper. There's only so much we can do on a Sunday morning, so we must lean on the community outside Sunday morning. Those are, those are my best. I, I'd be, I would be wanting to listen to you, the questioner, and, and hear your ideas as well, which I'd love to set up coffee anytime. You want to add anything to that, Jay? No. Okay. There's a question in the audience? Yes. Okay, so I have a question. Um, you said something about how when you were in a relationship, you relied on them like emotionally, like completely, and it was kind of like, in a way, it kind of like drew you away from God, I guess. I don't know. And I've been struggling with that a lot lately, just in my friendships, because I tend to like put a lot of my like value and my happiness into my friends. What are some ways that you like were able to turn to God more rather than your friends, I guess, or rather than that specific relationship? Awesome question. Thanks, pal. Really cool. You go first, dude. She's talking to you. Yeah. Um, so for me, to be honest, like my personal experience was I had this thing ripped away from me. And so I didn't have a choice. Um, and so uh, there was a violence to it and a necessity to it. Um, and I think that, you know, his compassion is so significant all the time. But in times of absolute desperation and need, um, maybe sometimes it's easier to see or feel. Um, and so in some ways I would never wish that on anyone. And also I can look back and be like, God, thank you, um, for that intimacy that you helped to develop in that time. I think that aware, like for you to be aware of the fact that that's something that you do is like a remarkable gift from the Lord. And so leaning into that and saying, and asking him like, God, what, how can you be enough for me? Um, what are the things that I can do? Um, so that I don't depend on these relationships in a way that you want me to only to be dependent on you. Because we know we're all broken and we all suck sometimes. <laughs> and so it's like they're go- people are going to hurt us and let us down and, and God never will. Um, and so for me, it also has been like spending time with the Lord, right. like in the quiet place, in the closet, like developing that intimacy and figuring out like what is it that in any given season, how do I connect with the Lord and experience him and know him better and giving myself freedom and flexibility to explore that. And so reading the Bible and devotionals and times of prayer are beautiful and there's going on walks with him Mm -hmm. or worshiping by myself or like the freedom of we are existing with him, whether or not we're aware of it. And so what does it look like just to be aware of that relationship um, and saying like, God, we can do this differently. So good. Uh, we'll wind down with this, and then we're going to get ready for some prayer and communion and quiet time. Love that question. Bella, I know you've heard this answer, but it's so funny because the answer is actually in the question. Relationships, by definition, are time spent. Relationships are time spent. And, and I'm, I'm only teaching myself this too, by the way. If I want a greater prayer life, I want to know the Father more, I want more revelation from Scripture, then all I have to do is look at the time spent. And so you pick your spiritual discipline, pick your practice. Jay, by the way, let's talk to him afterwards. He, he could have gone on and on and on about his personal, private, spiritual disciplines in life, which is rich and deep. But you pick the ones that resound the most. Maybe it's nature, maybe whatever it is. Um, and, and that will make the relationship will grow based off of time spent purely, practically, simply. Last question here that's really fast, and then we'll, we'll turn to some quiet time and communion. 
Uh, thank you for this question. It says, how do you deal with being perceived as younger or less mature and capable than you are because you're single? Um, I, I just love the text, uh, you know, from Paul to Timothy. Don't let ever, anyone ever look down on you because of your youth. Um, I believe that the, the disciples of Jesus, with the exception of Peter, Peter, could have been late teens, early 20s. Go look at it. Do some research. They were, they were very young men. And, and the movement of the believers was a lot of young people. And so I know the question's not about youth, it's about singleness, but it's, it's interchangeable there. And, and here's the punchline. Um, I would just encourage you, and same answer as the answer we just gave, your security and confidence is going to come from Christ alone. That's where security and confidence comes from, not from man. It cannot come, sometimes from even mother or father or immediate family members or even pastor. The way to build security and confidence, which is the heart of your question, the way to build confidence and security is through the Father. We hope you enjoyed today's episode covering the questions and answers from this particular topic. If you have further questions, remember watermarkoc.com slash questions, or you can get in touch with a pastor. Go to watermarkoc.com, click on the link for Coffee with a Pastor. We would love to begin a conversation with you.